to the Drive Candace Radiation Podcast Family Edition. And driving me over the mountain today is Mike. Once again, we drive through this crazy thunderstorm that hit our valley. Um, so hang in there. If it's driving you crazy in the background, it's only for the first little section of the podcast. But today we talk about hospitality. And oh my gosh, it is such a passion of Mike and I. And we share a little, about, little bit about what it is and what it isn't. Um, what uh, are some practical tips for people who want to explore hospitality. We rattle off a couple um, of our favorite recipes. One is my mom's meatloaf and Mike shares um, how to make biscuits and gravy. And oh my gosh, his biscuits and gravy are like the bomb. Um, and then at the end, we talk a little bit about what it's like to, um, for me, to have received so much hospitality um, from people like you. So, oh man, it's an emotional <laughs> podcast towards the end too, because I, I kind of get into Pendleton and I'm like realizing, oh my gosh, I only have like three more of these left. And um, it's been such a journey. So thank you for going with me on it. And I hope you enjoy this episode. thunderstorm kind of summer day on this 31st day of radiation and driving me to radiation today in this summer thunderstorm is Mike Smith once again. Hello there. <laughs> How's it going? Good. I hope, I hope the microphone picks up some of this giant raindrops falling. It's so, I love a thunderstorm in the summertime. It's one of my favorite things. And you made the comment earlier that it's kind of been one of, we've been having afternoons where we've had thunderstorms in our valley, but uh, be, because Candace has been driving to Pendleton every day about this time, when the thunderstorms peak, that's kind of a bummer because that's one of our favorite things to do is to sit outside and watch the thunderstorms roll through the valley and enjoy it. I love to sit on our front porch and watch the, just the clouds like roll over, the storms come through, it's really fun. Um, but I'm really excited to talk about this with you because I think it's um, a shared passion of yours and mine. We're going to talk about hospitality today. And I've talked about this one other time on the podcast with my, if, if you're a third driver, this is what we're talking about. So this is your third time driving me today. Yes. Um, so I want to talk about hospitality, but I, I wanted to read this quote and kind of get your, your take on this quote. You haven't heard it yet, so I, want, I, would, I just want to hear what you think about it. Right off the cuff. Just, like, yeah. There's no, uh, no prompts, no nothing. Here we go. Yep. Hospitality means we take people into the space that is our lives and our minds and our hearts and our work and our efforts. Hospitality is the way we come out of ourselves. It is the first step towards dismantling the barriers of the world. Hospitality is the way we turn a prejudiced world around one heart at a time. I think I particularly loved how this is a good description of how I think about hospitality, that it's more than just having somebody over to your house for dinner. It's a way of being, and it's a way of sharing the space, like they were talking about, the space that is our lives and our minds and our hearts and our work and our efforts. And I love that. 
what do you? I think you um, you cannot truly be hospitable to somebody if you are prejudiced about them in some way. And I'm not talking about necessarily racial prejudice or any, but if you have a prejudice against somebody, you really can't truly be hospitable to them in the, in the most earnest sense. And so I think that, um, yeah, that's a, a great quote. Yeah. And if you are, you know, frustrated at the barriers that are happening in our world, and there are lots of them, um, the things that keep us from loving one another, um, hospitality and practicing it can help dismantle those barriers and in our own lives because everybody carries some sort of innate prejudice that we're, we're kind of just born with and we really do need to have um, a renewal of our mind when it comes to loving other people is by Joan Chitster and she is a Benedictine nun and actually one of her books is in our Amazon cart right now but I've I've listened to her before and I really she's very um, just passionate about unity and um, dismantling prejudice and I just really appreciate her her take on things the the rain kind of stopped a little bit because I'm hoping this is getting all picked up on our little microphone. to this question, but I'm curious to know, Mike, who modeled hospitality in your life? <laughs> yeah, you, you probably could guess. Uh, it's definitely my my grandmother, Lois. Again, and we talked about her a number of different times, my grandmother, Smith. Um, and I just remember every single time we would go to their house, uh, you would arrive and you know again this kind of goes back to my love of cinnamon rolls right you would arrive and the cinnamon rolls would be on the ta- on the countertop ready for you there would be some that were uh, frosted for the kids and some that were unfrosted for my dad because uh, he preferred the less sweet variety and uh you know i would you would walk into you know we didn't have individual rooms at grandmother's house but we had kind of spaces that were allocated for us as individuals and there would be like whatever bedding uh you were going to use you know it was it was already laid out and prepared and ready to go for you and uh i man it was just like this you know and she was always asking you well what would you like for dinner you know and granddad was the same way where he was like he knew we loved waffles for breakfast in the morning so he would always make us waffles and again it was just that like that that you know taking yourself out of the moment and saying 
this person's need that I'm taking care of is more important than anything that I need right now. How can I, how can I serve and love them in this moment? In fact, they even took it, grandmother and granddad both took it to the level where they would remove themselves from their own bedroom and sleep on the uh, on the fold-out couch that which funny funny story uh, they called the divan so those of you who are divan people uh, yeah I'm, I'm part of those folk um, but they would sleep on the fold-out bed in the couch and my parents would sleep in their master bedroom and I was just always mystified by that because I'm like you know, these are my elders. These are my my respected individuals in my family, and they're giving up their space so that my parents can can have that more comfortable space. And um, anyways, whether or not you uh, uh, you only have, we don't have to talk about motivation uh, in that conversation. It's just a matter of they were willing to give up their space and their comfort on behalf of their family, who they deeply loved. And so, yeah, that was that was definitely my example of hospitality in my life. How have you received hospitality um, more recently as an adult? Boy, um, that's a good, well, I think, you know, if, if we kind of, it's kind of in my adult phase still as a, as a teenager, <laughs> like an 18 year old, uh, your parents, right? They were very hospitable to me. And, and just, again, to kind of bring the story along, um, I, I found myself working, uh, I lived in Spokane, but I've often found myself working in the West side of Oregon. And so I needed a place to stay over the weekend. And for a while I stayed with a buddy of mine, uh, until I met Candace. And even though we were just very early on, dating um candace's family and invited me into their home and were very hospitable and were you know her mom debbie would always make the stuff that i liked and um were just they just let me be part of their family and again uh just made space for me in their environment and uh, it was yeah and I, i can think of other um trying to think of individuals i know feelings that i have you know where you go to a place and people have thought about you and prepared ahead of time for you um and it's just so welcoming uh when you walk and you just don't it's like you don't have to think about anything necessarily you can just kind of relax and be present in that environment it's always oh it's so nice yeah it's uh, you have a space to be free to be yourself and I think that's the best place um, when you've extended hospitality to someone. It, um, it's, it's the best feeling in the world when they, they can relax and um, be themselves. And, and in fact, so turn the tables now uh, just slightly. I don't want to get too far ahead, but, I, like, but, but based on what you said, Candice, is like, I think one of the most amazing feelings for me when I'm trying to welcome somebody into my home is when they finally feel the freedom to go into my pantry or get into my refrigerator and get a snack. That's when I know, okay, we're, you're welcome here. Like, you know, you're welcome here and you are, you are, uh, are existing in that comfort. And I love that feeling. I love knowing that they're comfortable doing that. Uh, cause that means they're, they're being comforted by, you know, what, what we're bringing to the table. So, yeah. Yep. Um, when has hospitality been challenging? Boy, um, if we kind of go back to that quote, um, and that, I mean, that really strikes at the heart of it, um, that word prejudice, man, it just, 
when I've carried prejudices into a moment or carried concern or not been free with my generosity, uh, when I carry judgment into any particular situation, that's when hospita- uh, hospitality is very challenging because I, I divert myself from being from being selfless to being self-focused and that yeah so I think that's been a super big challenge to me is being careful not to divert my focus um, based on any preconceived judgments I might have about any individual or group of people um, but it's also when you okay so like in the in the event where you know we had we had a group of kids stay at our house um, like these uh, these circuit riders um, from from YWAM, that's right. And, you know, and, and we loved that experience. And I'm not here to talk bad about the experience. It was fantastic. The whole group of kids was amazing. But I found it was challenging to be hospitable, even though I, I didn't carry any prejudices against the, the kids individually. But when those moments started to invade my comfort, you know, and, and like, you know, what we had, how many kids in our house? 16. Yeah, 16 kids living and sleeping and eating and doing whatever in our house and you know they were obviously they were young people uh relative to us they were in their you know late teen late teens early 20s and so they stayed up late and they were loud and they were having a great time and i but that's not something i'm used to i like quiet comfort you know peace in my home and so in those moments when it starts to invade on my own uh, preferences and my comfort that's when it becomes challenging. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think in that moment that I am, I am the opposite in that 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 hum of the house when it's buzzing like that. Yeah. I sleep really good yeah. when that when that's happening. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it just makes me ha- so happy, and I I feel like the the challenge for me in that time frame was just purely the logistics of of making sure there was enough food and enough kind of food. There's lots of people with lots of, um, you know, specific needs, dietary needs. And so um, that one was a little bit challenging because they got snowed in and at our house. And so, which was very fun because then some of these kiddos had never seen or been in snow and we got snowed in like two feet overnight. Um, So there was a, there was plenty of snow to go sledding. And so then it was just gathering up any kind of snow gear that we had in the house from various, from our three kids and from our, our supply of snow gear just to outfit everybody and oh my gosh they looked so hilarious because they just didn't even care they were just so excited to go out there but just to provide a space like that for that kind of fun I I just I love it and you have to be willing to say yes to things that will make you uncomfortable in order to have that kind of experience for sure um and that's and that's exactly what I I don't want to I didn't want to characterize it as a negative experience. It definitely, uh, it helped me grow as a person. And I w- I'm so thankful for that because, you know, in the end, after a couple of days, um, it didn't matter anymore. Like I had, I'd become used to the churn and the noise and I didn't have to be kind of on edge about wondering, is that a, you know, cause I'm, I'm kind of a naturally light sleeper anyways, because I'm always on, on the ready for like, is that a broken pipe or is that a, you know, something coming through the window or is that, you know, I'm just kind of like, tense and ready to go but I realized in that moment I didn't have to be that way and I didn't have to let those noises those whatever uh, disturb me I could just be like yeah it's cool you know those everything's fine and we're just enjoying life together and that's great 
Yeah. Um, what are ways you practice hospitality? For me, I, you know, especially this last year, it's been challenging to practice hospitality because I've been so secluded. But I think one of the ways that when, when anytime you have constraint, that's when creativity is, is birthed. And so constraint always is something that uh, you can look at it in a positive way. So whatever is constraining you from um, keeping moving forward in hospitality, there will be a creative solution to come out. So obviously my creative solution in that was, you know, social media, this podcast, trying to be like um, hospitable in, in with others uh, and allowing people to come into my space, even if that was in a digital way. So how are you practicing hospitality? Well, I think one of the ways I'm trying to practice hospitality and one of the things I love doing is um, as an IT manager, I kind of have my group of people that I'm trying to take care of the best I can and just looking for opportunities to bring comfort to their environment. And sometimes that's just like, even within my office, uh, trying to bring things into that space that are fun, whether it's something to play with or a plant or a decoration or um, the, the other part that I've done recently, which is um, uh, cooking for them. So, you know, making cinnamon rolls, doing biscuits and gravy. We, uh, we made tacos one time. And so I, I feel like trying to be, bring an element of home and of comfort into the work environment is, is one of the things I'm trying to focus on. And I think one of the things that is challenging about that is keeping it simple enough to be effective so you're not tied up with the work of the thing. You can really focus on the relationship part of it and not get tied up with the task of being hospitable because that can be a real diversion too. Yeah. Um, let's. You and I have put on... We've fed a lot of people in our day and like hundreds of people, (laughs) hundreds and hundreds of people. And so we've put on really big things and really intimate things. And um, we've cooked for camps and yeah, all sorts of stuff. But I want to talk about maybe some practical tips for people who who might want to like have some, let's say they they don't usually have people over, but they want to have people over. Um, What would you... um, what kind of tips would you have for somebody thinking about that ahead of time? You want to have, like, let's say you have six, you have six people coming over for dinner. Yeah. Well, I think one of the tips that, or one of the things that I learned, and, we, and it really depends, you know, because like you said, like, we've, we've put on all kinds of different, you know, events, whether it's been like, you know, like we did prom dinner one time. And that's a different that's a different context, maybe, than if you're looking at more of a social gathering with friends. Uh, but... I would I would say now there there's value in like as an example you know the guys hanging around the barbecue that's always kind of fun but at the same time I would say one of the things that I've learned in the process is prepare as much in advance as possible and again much like uh, much like the uh, you know I talked about the in my office make it as simple as possible so you're not diverted by the task of getting ready and you can really focus on the relationship and I think we've done things like um you know just making things accessible one of the things I love and we joke about it all all the time but I love it is when you set up the drink you know buffet and there's all these different drinks that you can you know and we've got the carafes with the little the little valve on it so you can go serve yourself some 
whatever is juice or or water and then we've got like a typically a cooler or some cute tub with uh you know with drinks in there on on ice yeah and i think that's one of those things that is like it's so much fun because it's like you're you know and that can be it doesn't have to be a certain time of year it could be a barbecue in the summer it could be like a hot drink bar uh, in the winter time and i think that's um one of the best things you can do yeah i don't think you need to stress out about it a lot um but if you do have time to think about it in advance i i'm always rolling through like the senses for people when they come to the door so i want to make sure the lighting feels right i want to make sure that um the smell smells good um i want to make sure that when they come in like the temperature of my house is is going to be at a good place um, I want to make sure that we get we get the Spotify playlist going that we like for that for the vibe that we're looking for. Um, these are things I'm thinking about before people are coming over, and they don't take very much time. That's that's maybe like five or ten minutes that you can just kind of walk through and just make sure that's kind of set. Um, and I think it just it just it makes a difference. It, it it just feels more comfortable for people when they come in. And I think I want to, I guess I would like to say too, I'm not as, as concerned. Now I love having a clean house when people walk in the door because I want to honor them and, and be like, I put in the work, you know, to prepare this place for you, to make it beautiful and comfortable and clean. So you feel uncomfortable, but like we have to just kind of come to the reality that we're all people right and our homes are not always spotless all the time and so i actually kind of like it when i'm in somebody else's environment and i find those little things that are maybe not clean and i go okay they're just like me (laughs) so i i actually i mean i think we all put effort into that but i think it's important not to stress too much about that uh i I mean who doesn't like a a clean and comfortable home to walk into but my goodness we're all we're all people and the real the real magic happens when you interact with people that's that's where that's what it's all about and we're kind of on the fence too at the end of the dinner on whether we do the dishes later or we you know everybody comes in and cleans the kitchen i my preference is i want you to come here and i want to visit with you i don't want to sit around doing dishes with you um but there's that's really hard for some personalities because they just want to like if i know my sister brandy's coming over or my mom like the dishes are gonna get done and that's part of their love language that's part of what makes them feel relaxed and so we'll do the dishes right before but a lot of times we just want people to chill and so we'll just say look at it later you know and let's let them sit so but that's your preference if it's you know stressful for you obviously you might want to do that but invite other people into it don't just do them by yourself but sometimes sometimes and uh, you you're kind of expressing that about your mom and your sister sometimes that's part of the social event right and and so that can be really enjoyable too where it doesn't and it actually makes the the whole prospect of doing the dishes like not as much of a chore if you're if you're talking with three or four other people in the kitchen and some people are still sipping their wine and uh or munching on you know leftovers that's really fun that's where some great conversations happen yeah um okay mike i i'm gonna rattle off a recipe for people that it's it'll work 100 percent of the time like you can do this recipe i gave them the last time was the big pasta salad oh sure right yeah. do you have a recipe that um you can rattle off 
I I can I can give mine first if you need to you know, time no. to think. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, so this is my mom's meatloaf. Good one, right, Mike? Yeah, totally. Everybody loves this. Every, yeah. Everybody loves this meatloaf. And in general, you have most of these ingredients already in your house. So you take four pounds of, let's say you're having six people, six to eight people. I would say four pounds of a hamburger. This is going to give you some leftovers. You're going to like it. Always a bonus. <laughs> Always a bonus. Four pounds of hamburger. And then you're going to put them in a, in a, in a mixing bowl and a big bowl and you're going to crack like one egg and then you're going to get a sleeve of saltine crackers and you you crunch those up really good so they're they become like crumbs um, and pour those into the bowl with the egg and the meat and you put some salt and pepper in there but not too much salt because that saltine has has some salt in it too and and then you get your bottle of ketchup and you literally just kind of squirt it over the top and like maybe i don't even know how much to tell you but when you mix it all up it should be kind of like with your hands because that's the best way to mix up meatloaf it will be the most effective don't over mix it because that'll make it tough so you just want to kind of gently mix in all that kind of stuff and it should feel a little sticky and a little wet but it should also come into kind of a form so um, then you split it into in half. So you have two parts and then you get your, your nine by 13 or your big, you know, roaster pan, like kind of size. It could be like a 10 by 14 too. Um, you spray that off and then put half of your meatloaf mixture in the pan and pat it down. And then you layer on uh, strips of bacon on top of that. Is it raw bacon or cooked bacon? raw bacon and then um, Swiss cheese my mom always did Swiss cheese and I would suggest just getting like the pre-sliced Swiss cheese just save yourself some time um, Swiss cheese and then you put another put the meat over the top the rest of the meat mixture over the top of that another layer of bacon another layer of Swiss cheese and then this is the most important part you take your ketchup and you squirt it in a diagonal fashion back and forth over the top of the 9 by 13 and it makes it look really pretty. Um, and if you want to be fancy, you can sprinkle some dried parsley on that, but we didn't bother with that business. Put that in a preheated oven. I think we usually cook it at 375. And, you know, we cook it until it looks like meatloaf, until it's really, <laughs> until it's browned on top. It's, um, a lot of the fat has rendered around the edge and the side of the meatloaf, and it's bubbling. And, you know, I, I would say it might cook like in 40 minutes, maybe less, depending on, um, you know, it just depends on how thick your, your uh, pan, which pan you're using. But that's my mom's meatloaf, and it's good 100% of the time, and I have not met anyone who doesn't love it. I mean, if, unless you're dairy-free, or you don't like pork or something, but it's really good. And even then, you can make modifications that would adapt to that, and that would be fine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so serving with that, I, it's always, um, you know, do something simple. Like, you could do some green beans, or you could do... I like to serve it with something green. Um, you could do a salad or peas or something like that. Um, sometimes we'd have baked potatoes as kids with that one, too. But it's really good, and everybody loves it. 
Yeah, yeah, everybody does, <laughs> including me. It's the best. What's your What's your recipe? Right. So my recipe is uh, uh, I. So this. I'm kind of known in my family and kind of for people who have been to my house uh, in the mornings, especially uh, for some biscuits, right? And some just plain old like baking powder biscuits. And I found this recipe and I mean, it's like uber simple. And so anybody can pull off uh, a, a really good baking powder biscuit uh, with minimal effort. This is super easy. So you start with two cups of flour and one tablespoon of sugar, a half teaspoon of salt, four teaspoons of baking powder, and you just want to give that a little bit of a whisk to mix it all together. Then you drop in basically one stick uh, or half a cup of, of uh, butter, specifically unsalted butter, and uh, cut it into pieces. And then, like Candace was saying, the best mixing is your hands. So you want to mix that in and press it between your fingers until it becomes kind of crummy, uh, just kind of a loose crumb. Uh, then you're going to take two-thirds of a cup of milk and one egg and kind of whisk those together and dump that into your flour mixture and fold that all together lightly mix it again you know julia child i think was the one that said uh like really uh, like biscuit hands are soft hands right right so you don't want to mix it a whole lot but you want to kind of gather it all together so it's one kind of sticky lump together throw that on a flour countertop and then basically you're going to give it like seven folds. You're going to fold it seven times in half and kind of pat it out a little bit. Uh, and that'll start creating those striations and those layers within the biscuit uh, body. Yeah. And uh, then you're gonna you're gonna roll it out. You don't want it to get too thin. Um, like you know, somewhere in that three quarter of an inch thick, maybe even uh, you know somewhere around there is great. And then I like using. I think, which has been the subject of some discussion in our household, but like a red wine glass that's not too fragile is a great cutting mechanism to make good biscuit sizes. Um, so you can use that red wine glass to cut those out. And now my preference is to put that in an oven that's on like 450 convection uh, for about 12 minutes. And you'll end up with nice golden brown exterior There'll be a little bit of a crunch on the outside of that biscuit, um, and you'll end up with just beautiful texture, beautiful tender texture on the inside. With them. they'll be flaky uh, and wonderful, and so yeah, that's that's kind of my go-to. You know, we've done that like I don't know how many times. Done biscuits and gravy, um, and people just seem to really love that. It's comfort food, and uh, again, there might be some aversions to uh, certain different types of whether it's milk or sausage, and you can definitely make substitutions that can account for that. But yeah, that's definitely my go-to. Yeah, I've seen these biscuits be like four and a half inches tall, like literally just super poofy. So um, I highly recommend, we eat a lot of biscuits at our house. So um, yeah, I all of this is just fun, but like literally just, you could also just heat up some tater tots for crying out loud. Like nothing, everybody, makes a big deal about what it might be and maybe that's fun for you to make something fancy but um which i like to do sometimes too but don't let it hinder you i guess from actual relationship 
if, if you find that you're getting kind of stressed out about it, then maybe just take a step back and like check your motivations. And um, because really the whole point is to uh, create connection and relationship with people. And I can tell you as I've lived my life that way and as Mike and I have made those choices in our lives, um, we are seeing the fruits of those kinds of connections with each one of you that we've made. And it is it is so worth it. I, um, I, I read this scripture last time, but I like it in the message. Most of all, love each other as if your life depended on it. Love makes up for practically anything. Be quick to give a meal to the hungry, a bed to the homeless, cheerfully. Be generous with the different things God gave you, passing them around so all get in on it. If words, let it be God's words. If it's help, let it be God's hearty help. That way God's bright presence will be evident in everything through Jesus, and he'll get all the credit as the one mighty in everything on course to the end of time. This is 1 Peter 4, 7 through 11. But I, I love, most of all, love each other as if your life depended on it. Um, because someday it might, <laughs> and I'm trying not to tear up about it, but someday it might, and you will be so blessed by the love of people around you. Hospitality is, I don't know. It's well, magical. <laughs> and I guess that's something that I wanted to turn. I want to turn the question back on you and ask you what has been the impact of hospitality throughout your cancer process? Because we've certainly experienced a number. I mean, just an endless supply of generosity and hospitality. And how, how has that impacted you both emotionally and intellectually even? And how, I mean, has it done something and it changed who you are? Well, I think when you find yourself um, needing care um, and needing emotional support and physical support and mental support and spiritual support, you are in an, a, a receiving end of your life. Um, after being someone who's been kind of had the privilege of being a giver in those things, um, it is incredibly challenging sometimes to um, to receive on that level because it, it can be overwhelming um, and because I think I had in my mind that you know we have this math that we play in our mind that if I do this then you do that and if you do this then I need to do that and 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 that's not God's economy of hospitality and kindness um, it's more gracious and more abundant and never needing anything in return and so when it comes down to it in your life when you're facing something that's life-threatening and you need so much care and you really don't have anything to give <laughs> like I don't have anything to give and I haven't had anything to give for a very long time like I like physically I'm exhausted and I've been that way for almost 11 months and um, it it is everything in me wants to have 20 people over once a week like and just kind of roll through people and and you can't do that um, but it has been really amazing to also lean back in, relax back into the care of others and allow that to happen and kind of not worry about the weird math about it all, you know, because I used to stress like I there's no way I could write enough thank you notes like I, I I just can't it's impossible 
and and being like everyone knows I'm thankful <laughs> like I can say it to people I'll say it to people but that stress of having to have it reciprocated in some way I had to release that um, and really be um, looking at it and I know we've talked about it before like and, and my mom just mentioned it on the podcast too like allowing people the blessing of loving you and taking care of you and and allowing yourself to be the recipient of hospitality um, because it really does feel nice it feels really great when you can finally relax back into it and be like okay I, I will receive all of this and take it in with gladness and um, just um, it's been it's been one of the most impactful times of my life for sure yeah because if you if you can't take a moment to say I accept this gift of love that you're giving me that it, it just steals joy from from people around you yeah yeah I think there's one more uh, rule that we need to talk about. Okay. Because, you know, I'm a rule guy. I hate rules. I know, but I like rules. Okay. And and uh, this one is, uh, it's one that we developed a long time ago okay. with, with some neighbors. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah that so rule I love. Now I know what you're talking about. I was like, oh, no, Mike, not rules. <laughs> so, yeah, so it's, um, we have some just amazing neighbors, uh, David and Sunshine, um, that we we lived in the same cul-de-sac with them, and our kids grew up together, and we developed a friendship just right off the bat, and ended up, I mean, we just enjoyed life together, and it was, it was wonderful. And we developed, and it speaks exactly to what you were just talking about. We developed this thing. It's called the prep, the paprika rule. Yeah. And so the, the deal is that if you come over and you ask, like, our family, Mike, do you have... I, we, we're fresh out of paprika. Do you have any paprika? Um, then I'm going to give you paprika, and you are under no burden <laughs> to return any, of them, any amount of it. You're going to take that paprika, and you're going to use it, and I'm going to go buy more paprika at the store when I need it, and that's okay. Yeah, well, and what happened was David came over, and he needed, he needed paprika, and we're standing in our... Mike and I had, like, the tiniest kitchen in the United States of America, and David and I are standing in the kitchen, and I'm like, all right, look, man, let's just, let's just make this deal. Even if I'm not here, even if we're not in the house, you know how to get in the house. You come, these, these are your cupboards. This is your stuff. And the same would go for them. Uh, I could go, <laughs> David used to grow a lot of herbs in his backyard. And I just go like, like a, a weirdo into their backyard and just go, I'm like, I need some sage today, you know, but it was fun too, because we would always, we would always make fun things and try out new recipes. And so we'd like run a spoonful of something over to them and be here, try this. Oh my gosh, this is blowing my mind. And so we got to be foodies together for sure. So, and I know that David and Sunshine, um, extend that paprika rule now that they live in a, a different town and, um, you know, that part of their life is still happening and he he tells the story too to the people that they meet but that idea of you know just this is whatever i have is yours to have is is a big is a big one for us yeah and there and there's no and i really i want to stress this there's no burden for reciprocation in the moment when you take and I, i just want to encourage everybody to establish this kind of mentality with your neighbors and just say look anything you need you can you can have if I if I give you two eggs, don't return two eggs to me. Yeah. You buy eggs when you need eggs later, 
and then someday I'm gonna need something. I'm gonna come over and get it from you, and I'm not gonna try and return the two cloves of garlic. Don't worry about it. We all buy stuff together. We all buy stuff when we need it, and if we happen to have the thing that our neighbor needs, awesome. That's yeah, it'll all come out in the wash. And honestly, David paid us in sourdough bread more than oh, we paid him in gosh. paprika. So I think, yes. yeah, for sure. Um, all right. Any other thoughts on on hospitality as we're kind of driving into Pendleton here? I'm hungry. <laughs> all this, this talk about comfort, like know. you know, like uh, meatloaf and biscuits. I'm 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 kind of getting hungry from all that. <laughs> For sure. Um, well, it's only three o'clock, so I don't know what you're going to do about oh. that. You're also making dinner tonight, so that's that's uh, tricky. That's that's tricky. right. So I'm not sure how that's going to turn out. We'll see. <laughs> well, I am. We're wheeling into Pendleton and coming off the freeway right now. As, as it gets closer to that Monday date, I just get more and more emotional about it. And uh, so I'm going to have a hard time talking. <laughs> um, I am really excited to be done and very thankful, very thankful. Um, I'm going to want to get that CT scan that, that shows that Chuck's all gone, really. that That's kind of my, my next thing I'm thinking about. But I'm just incredibly grateful um, and thankful that it's so far so good. And I have friends that I'm thinking about right now who don't always get that... Um, get that word from their doctor and so my heart goes out to the people who will continue on in their cancer journey and um and uh, that an end date isn't always for them so yeah. that's what i'm thinking about is the privilege of having what looks to be an end date uh for breast cancer and um yeah i'm very very anxious for it and um, I just want to say, I just want you to hear publicly uh, that that I am so proud of you for enduring this process with such grace and such um, what endurance. I mean, you've and it's been it's been a mental battle, it's been a physical battle, it's been an emotional battle, it's been a spiritual battle, and you have just continued to fight. You've never given up in those moments, and it may feel like you've given up, but. You you net you keep fighting and fighting and fighting and you keep thinking about others around you. Uh, I mean, again, this this uh, re- this podcast is kind of evidence of that um, that we're still trying to love people around us uh, through this process. Uh, and I just want you to know how proud I am uh, to to be your partner going through it and then also watch you interact with the the people around you. And you you mentioned a few of those people that like that will never receive uh, uh, you know a final radiation or a final chemo treatment. There's so many people who have to continue to fight this fight every single day of their life from this point forward. And it's just, it's heartbreaking to, uh, but we're, but we're grateful to be in the position that we're in where yes, we have an end date we're looking at and it's coming soon. And we're so excited to get there. Yeah. Thanks, hon. Appreciate it. Um, thank you for listening in and my gosh, we only have, 
a few more podcasts left. Just like after this, it'll be two. And next time we're going to hear from my sister Brandy. Brandy's driving me to radiation. And Brandy has listened to every single podcast ever that I've ever done in my life. She's like my biggest fan, podcast fan. So I'm really excited because this will be the first time that she's been able to be on a podcast. So it's going to be really good. Tune in next time. Thanks for listening in, friend. I really appreciate it. This is really fun for me. But I hope for you, there's some takeaways on just being a good neighbor. Just somebody who's willing to to jump in and say, yeah, I'll help you out. If you are a cancer survivor, or if you're currently going through cancer, please know that my heart is with you, that my prayers are with you, and that you are more connected than you realize and you are more loved than you could ever understand. Please tune in next time. We will have a great time on the podcast, driving over the mountain where I get radiation and make the best of it. You know what I'm saying? Have a great day. Mm